0: John chapter 1. I want to set this up today trying to explain the the situation we're in about grace. Uh, What is grace? Uh, it's It's been talked about. It's been referred to. It's been misused. It's been abused. It's not been understood. That's primarily the reason it's not been understood what grace really is. Now grace, as you all know, probably know, Uh, is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S in the Greek language. Charis is the word for gift. So grace is a gift from God. Now in Matthew the 28th chapter, I'll tell you what, let's just go to that one first. Sorry for this. You know, I, I know I'm a real wordy person, but be that as it may. Matthew the 28th chapter Jesus is about to tell these people what they need to do. Can you turn this down some a little bit? Jesus is about to tell these men and women what, what, you know, what his mission is. I mean, the, the, the verity, the, the, the power that's behind this, this uh, uh, communication or this mandate, let's call it, is, is, it's too far. It's, it, it cannot be done by natural man. It just, it just can't be. Jesus said in verse 18, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power, that word, that word is authority. We've talked about this before, I think. So let's read it that way. All authority is given unto me In heaven and in earth. Now that's an all-encompassing statement. There, go ye therefore. I don't know what it is, but I'm one of these things. Go ye therefore. Well, don't that sound better? And teach. Now this word teach is it it means uh, uh, to to disciple. So, so it's not just about going out there and telling people about Jesus, although that's necessary. But after you tell them about Jesus and they get born again, they need to be discipled, see. A lot of the church today is not discipled. They're believers, but they're not discipled. And that's what I want this ministry to do, is disciple people. It's like that little article we read the other day. I think I posted it on my page there in Facebook. How that that converts, you know, and and, and disciples are totally opposite because a mere convert will give up when the pressure's on. Amen. But anyway, let's see. He says, uh, "Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them, Didaskio—that's line up online teaching, like you get here. Teaching them to observe." All things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo I am with you always and the reason it's not always like in our language is means all the way, all the way even unto the end of the age. So the word low here some he's teaching on the word low. <laughs> the word low is the Greek word I do I D O U. And and this is very, very good. When it comes to our job, is because he said, I'll see to it that it's done. That's what the, in, in other words, what, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and I will see to it. You do your part, and Jesus will do his. All you have to do is go and open your mouth, and the power will be there. So, in, in fact, in Greek language, that's a conditional Fred, third class. No, excuse me, first class conditional phrase means that there's some that's not going to do it. But if you do this, I'm going to see that the mission that I've given you will be accomplished. All I need is your obedience. And let's put it this way. Maybe maybe this will fit a little better. I know it does with me. Is that I have no ability whatsoever to accomplish this. I cannot do it. Now, I do know men that do. I know men that are out there that have great intellect. The the pastors of the mega churches and all that, you know, I, I, I honor them because of their calling and gifting. But I've also seen the flip side of that. When you do things in the flesh, when you do it because of your intelligence, when you do it because of, you you know, your willpower, it usually ends up biting them. Usually ends up messing up, see. but But Jesus gave this, and then back over here in John then, John 1 notice this Let, let's look at let's see we'll just start with verse 11 it, it's really it's so difficult to to, to start uh, in the middle of something but we don't have the time I want to get through this today I want to get to the end of it so that God can do some miraculous things here today how many agrees with that? Amen, Amen. Amen. Uh but as uh, he came unto his own and his own received him not remember I was teaching I've been teaching for what three or four weeks now on the importance of the Holy Spirit the same things happened to him he came to us to the church and the church didn't receive him they've explained him away and didn't anyway, but he says but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh. I have a little slash in between this, this, after this word in my Bible. And I like to put, when I'm teaching on uh, Jesus' birth, I bring this up. And the word became flesh, and nine months later, it dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. It's theomai. We get our word theater from that. That means literally to look closely, to discern, to view as in a theater. Look closely. He said, We began to look closely at his glory. The glory as of the only begotten. Monogenes means that he's the only one. Monogenes. He's unique. Of the the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace, grace and truth. truth. Isn't that interesting? So interesting. Full of grace and truth. Now, God, I'm going to go ahead and give you this definition again. I've, I've referred to it many times, but the definition of grace is God's ability given freely to you to make you able to do the will of God. So there's no excuse. He's given us grace to do His will. Be doers of His word and His will throughout in our sphere of influence, wherever we are, where, throughout the earth, we can do His will because He has given us His grace. But notice this. That grace... Came for G, from G, uh, to Jesus, and it said the word Logos was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full. Now, the word full here, DD, is the Greek word pleroma. And this word pleroma is, is a word which describes completeness. Packed so full that you cannot get any more in it. Sort of like Teru's suitcase was. She had to leave her robe down there because she could not pack it in. Well, that's that's the picture you need to fix in your mind about Jesus being full of 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 uh, the glory. Or the, excuse me, of dra- grace and truth. He's full of pleroma. You can't. He couldn't get any more in there if he tried. Now he says. Verse 16, notice this. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Well, that was 17. (laughs) And of his fullness have all we received. And notice this, grace for grace. So here we have, he said, we have received His fullness. Now we've, we saw that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Now we have received that grace and truth, that fullness. We are packed so full of His grace that no more can be given. See, remember what I told you hundredfold meant? When, you know, a lot of people have abused that. They want you to give something so you can claim a hundredfold return. Well, that's not not really what it means. It really means that there's no more to be given. You've got it all. And that's what we possess as children of God. We possess the fullness of His grace and truth inside our very being. And this flesh that we're walking around in, because of that fullness, has to be obedient. See, we're in charge of this, not God not the holy spirit we are so in colossians 1:19 it also talks about that fullness it says in him all the fullness should dwell and they and then he's talking about the church there so god has given us more than is, than is needed more, you know you have more i mean how how can i get this across to us if I, you have more of god's ability in you than you will ever Find necessary to accomplish anything that he's called you to do. Grace is the all encompassing requirement to fulfill the Great Commission. It's the requirement. So, what do you think you would do if you were the devil and you heard these words spoken? He can't understand tongues, but he can understand when we, or when, when Paul and these other guys wrote these things and, and talked about them. What would you do? If you heard that the church has the fullness of God, I mean, that will raise a chill bump. We have the fullness of God. We have all ability. Anything we need to do for God, we have the the wherewithal. And Satan already knew knew what the church is supposed to do. We're we're about to get into some in-depth teaching on how to overcome the evil strategies of the devil. And we're going to get into his character and we're going to, fi- we're going to show you how exposed he really is. There's five, uh, five demotions of the devil from the time he fell until the, the end of it all. There's five of them. We're, we're going to expose his weaknesses and why he hates these things so much. In Ephesians 1, 22-23, the fullness dwells in the church. Verse 17, as I read a while ago in first in, in John, rather, it says, it says, But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now he said that because it's in contrast to law. See, John is saying these things to people who have known what the law was. Because it was customary for people, a Jewish people, by the time they get three years old, they knew the Torah. They knew the, five, the first five books of the Bible. They knew it backwards and forwards. They could quote it. Think, think about that. I mean, our kids, all they want to do is grow up and learn how to do an iPhone. But these people knew the Word of God. See? And so, so God has given these things to us. This grace and truth, it is, it is no comparison with how they functioned before. See, before they had to learn it, they had to read it. They had to keep it before their eyes. They tied little leather boxes on their uh, heads with a little, little tiny miniature copies of the Torah in it, so tiny that you could not read it if you wanted to. They didn't even have magnifying glasses, so it was just so tiny they kept it there. Some of them do it today. I seated by a man on a plane going to Israel in 1989, I think. Uh, and, and this man, I mean, he had this leather thing wrapped around his arm. Uh, has to do with wrapping the word around you. And, and then had this little box tied up here. And had these long things on his beard, you know, long, long. I, I, anyway, that was their method of power. It's not like that today, thank God. It's, it's deposited inside us. Do you understand today that, that the same power that resides in you resides in Jesus? When He walked here as a human being, physically a human being on this earth, He walked with that kind of power in Him. And now He's turned it over to us. See, And we have that kind of power. So, so, this, so this grace and truth, grace and truth, man there's a lot to meditate on there, came from Jesus. This charis, this word grace that's in the Greek language here, uh, they didn't know how to handle that. They had never had a concept uh, of freely giving, uh, receiving from God. Never had that concept. Freely re- and Jesus told them, he said, freely you have received, so freely give. Same thing goes with us. What you're going to receive today is free. You freely receive it. There's no no, uh, limitations about it. There's no qualifications about it. It's just given. Our job is to receive it. See, So that, that is grace. Grace is not given to you just so that you could somehow manage to make it through life. Grace is given to you to conquer with. Don't let the de- so. What I started to say is, what would you do if you were the devil and you heard all this? You would attack grace, and you would convince unsuspecting people that it's something that it's not. And that's what's happened today. It, it is. It is. It is reduced down to simply a force or. Uh, God has endued you with some kind of strength to be able to handle all of the attacks and all of the diseases and everything and somehow or another, you know, you're going to be able to, to, to make it. It's much, much more than that. I, I, you know, it, it it's much more. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he said that I not receive the grace of God in vain. The word vain is kinu, which means to... Uh, To to empty, it's without reaching a, 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 to empty out, that's not reaching a a destination. Let's put it that way. Uh, If I told you to go to the store and buy me a, a, you know, a gallon of milk, that would be a mission for you on my behalf. But if, if you start off and you got sidetracked and you got to talking with people and you forgot all about my milk and you came back, I would have received that instruction in vain. So that's what, that's what the word vain literally means uh, without reaching a predetermined goal or, or, or uh, result of what you're supposed to be doing. So, so basically, we could say that that, uh, that, that Scripture is really saying For you to receive the grace of God means that you have the ability now, what are you going to do with it? See. So just think about it. Every every person in here, even these precious children, sitting here with the life of God on the inside of us. All this potential, all of this power, all of this ability, all of this charis, And we let it sit and sit and sit. And you know, I think one of the biggest reasons why we don't do the gospel is we're timid. We're shy. And a lot of us are just, we want to save face so we don't put ourselves out there because there's this little imp that keeps whispering to us, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? And so we back off and say, well, you know, I'm really not called to that. Yeah, you are. I'm telling you, when you pray for people and they say, well, I don't believe in healing, all you've got to do is say, that don't matter. I believe it. And go ahead and get them healed, and then they'll believe. Amen? I mean, it's much better to believe without seeing, but people do believe by seeing. That's why the gifts of the spirits what's going to build this church. And you guys are going to be the ones doing it going to build you know i i I long for the time when the when the proverbial saying about cross point will be you don't really have to go to that church all you got to do is find one of the members and you can get you you can get your answers amen just find one of the members and then they'll want to become one of the members amen is this making any sense today now The Lord revealed to me four months ago as to why a lot of people don't receive when they're ministered to. And he said, it's because they misunderstand me. And there's things that they misunderstand and they place into their belief system, not consciously, but if you believe something about God so long, you hear it so long, it's going to take root and grow. And that's going to be your belief system. And it's going to keep you from receiving So, before I get into this, uh, over in Acts 28, let's just turn there. Acts 28, I want to show you something that happened to the Apostle Paul before I make this statement here. Acts chapter 28, and let's look at verse 3. We're going to go through verse 6. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire there came a viper out of the heat fastened on his hand and when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand they said among themselves no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea yet vengeance suffereth not to live and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. And how be it They looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds (laughs) and said he was a god. (laughs) They changed their minds. Well now, why do you think Paul was able to do that? He was full of the grace of God. Now we don't know exactly when Paul received the revelation about the grace of God. But we know that it was very early in his ministry. And the Holy Spirit re- revealed to me that misunderstanding what Paul says about the messenger of Satan causes a lot of people to withdraw from their healing, to withdraw and come up with a different reason why things Are happening to them. The Lord spoke that to me. Right in this office in here. About about four months ago. And I've taught on these things for a long time. But he's shown me things that I really had never seen. Same words. I just got new meaning for them. Uh, That's usually the way the Holy Spirit works. But uh, back then. And and I tell you. I want to encourage you this week. Please. Maybe today or whenever. You read Acts 28. 27 and 28. And what Paul went through, I mean, I mean the shipwreck that he was in, they, when he was a prisoner, when they loaded him up, he had a word of knowledge, excuse me, a word of wisdom. And he spoke it to them. He said, I perceive that this, this is going to be a shipwreck and there's going to be much life lost if we go on this. Well, you know, it wasn't God's uh, uh, intention for Paul to suffer those things. God, God had a great mission for Paul to accomplish, and he did. But, but uh, the devil wanted Paul out of the way. And so he called, uh, there, there was a great storm. It was called Eurachlodon. And it was a violent, it was like a hurricane. You know, like a Category 5 hurricane on that lake. And I mean, they spent 14 days uh, tossed around in that storm. Just read the story. It's fascinating to know what, our, you know, what Apostle Paul went through. makes me very ashamed of myself. Then after he got through is when the snake happened. I mean, these guys, some of them had a little boat they wanted to cut down and drop into the water off the side of the ship. And Paul looked at them and said, if you leave this ship, you're going to die. Nobody on this ship. There was 283 souls on board there. 16, uh, if, three score then back then was 70. Today it's 60. Three, there was 200." Uh, and, and three score uh, and then 16 souls. I don't know why they separated out like that. But, but he said, there's nobody, no life is going to, why was, why was there no life going to be lost? Because who Paul was. Isn't that something? We're a blessing to the world. Once we get ourselves armed with this information and it gets down into our spirit and we believe it, everywhere you go, you're going to be a blessing to people where you are. There'll be, there'll be times when you'll be able to rescue people from their, from their dilemma because of who you are. See? So it was a real blessing for Paul to be on this ship with those people. But anyway, the customary belief back then, and you, we saw it in Acts 28, how they saw that. The customary belief of the Greeks was that when bad things happened to good people, that, that meant that they had no power and were cursed by the gods now see that's the way there's people that still believe that this is one of the major reasons a lot of people don't get healed when we pray for them so, so when somebody doesn't get healed don't blame yourself I mean it could, you could be responsible you, you could have been out in sin and you're just not tapping in on the richest resources in your, in your life but most of the time it's because of what they believe they won't receive because I mean there's people I had a man in my church he wanted to be a deacon my God he wanted to be a deacon, and and uh, he got real mad at me because I didn't elect him deacon. Well, he wasn't deacon qualified. But I told him one day, I said, brother, and he, he was on a he was on a government check because of some kind of disability. I said, brother, why don't you just let us pray and get you healed? He said, well, I'll lose my check. My sound man was his uh, was his nephew or first cousin or something. And I mean it made Bobby so mad he couldn't see straight. He said he ought to die. Just for saying that, he ought to die. (laughs) Lose my check. I mean, my Lord. If he knew what he had inside of him, he could get healed and go give it to everybody else and they'd pay him to come do it. Go figure. Now let's turn over to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 12. That's where the... That's where the big story is. It gets everybody thumb up. We're going to talk about Paul's thorn. Blow over a lot of sacred cows. I want you to notice this now. I'll tell you what. In case I don't get to this aspect, chapter 11 is a wonderful expose of how Paul viewed his life and ministry. What all he went, how I many he listed? It. He, he listed if he, if he could uh, uh, brag, he had all the bragging rights. Anyway, let's start with verse 1 of chapter 12. He said, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And then he gives one. Now, I personally believe this happened not long after that he was converted. Uh, and became a believer on the road to Damascus. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. Now that's what, this, that's what happened to him. This is Paul that he's talking about. He said, I knew a man. Well, that's because he couldn't tell whether he was in his body or not. out of not in his body, he couldn't tell. It was very real to him. And he said, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows, how that he was caught up into paradise, which he says, he just had said that paradise was the third heaven. Paradise, if you remember, used to be down below. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, everybody that was in paradise down there, which were all the, the millions and, I don't know, could have, been, could have been a few billion children were there from the Noah's flood. And some of the people that did repent that didn't get on the boat. So all over there, all the Old Testament saints, everybody was down there. And then when Jesus was raised from the dead, I mean there was a host of people that raised with him and went to heaven. So, So paradise went from being there to being in heaven. Because Paul said here, I was caught up to paradise. I was caught up to paradise. And heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Boy, I'd like to know what they are. We will one day. Of such an one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. In my infirmities. For though I would dare, or excuse me, desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be or that he hears of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, the abundance of revelations, (laughs) through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. That it might depart from me. And he said unto me. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in necessities in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong now let's back up here for a few minutes he says, "He says, I was because of the abundance of revelations, now because people in my life I'm the only person that you know I have the right to preach about but in my life when people have said to me over the years that he believed that they had uh, received a thorn in the flesh like Paul did. Well, my first uh, indication is, when people say that to me, I don't have a notebook here or anything, is I, I, wanna, I say, well, let me get my notebook, because I want to hear of those abundance of revelations that you've received. And they say, what? I said, well, if you got a thorn in the flesh like Paul did, you apparently had received a lot of abundance of revelations. Oh no, but God's working in me. See, they don't, you know, anytime you get upset with somebody because of the way they believe, I'm talking about fighting mad, that means you're not real secure in what you believe. But I want to challenge people like that because they, they want to pick and choose. It's a, you know, I think uh, what the Democrats are doing to Trump, they're, they're cherry picking things uh, against him. And that's what people want to do with Scripture. They want to take certain things out so they, you know, form together and say, well, this is my doctrine. This is what I believe And it's all messed up. So he said, because of the abundance of revelation. The word abundance is, we call our English word hyperbole. Hyperbole, that means a throwing beyond, more excellent, beyond measure exceedingly. Now, like I said, four months ago I was sitting right in here in this desk. And I was just, I had this open to this passage of scripture. Because it's always kind of needled me. No, i I just i just wanted to know because i i've I've had to counsel church members over the years too many times about this scripture because it was keeping them from from receiving from god and so my eyes fell on the word measure above measure and the holy spirit said to me whose measure i never had looked at it that way whose measure it certainly wasn't god's measure It was the measure that the devil had on him. Because you see, because of these revelations. Now let me tell you something. When you have a revelation, there is a demonstration that follows. You start living out that word. Revelation. Something that's real to you, see. And so because of the abundance, the hyperbole of abundance, the the far exceeding uh, information, the, the revelation that God had given Paul, He was going to be exalted. You know, it's God's will for you to be exalted. And and Satan didn't want him to be exalted above the measure that he had. In other words, he wanted to keep him low. He wanted to keep him beat down. And that's why those things kept happening to Paul. It was the messenger of Satan. Sent from Satan, not God. I've heard some ecclesiastical preachers say, Well, you know, God allowed that. He used the devil. In fact, I've got a book in here. Pardon me, but I'm going to run in here and get this in case one of you order it. I've got two copies of this. And see here, I've got on here bad book for research only. This is the serpent of paradise. And this guy... Erwin Lutzer, W. Lutzer. It is unbelievable at the stuff he wrote in here that God uses the devil for. I would not burn it, but I'm on to wait in case I have to counsel somebody. If you don't think this is serious, you get out there and, you know, we're kind of sheltered here around Moreland and Woodward, I think. But get out there and you'll see what man has done to the Word of God through stuff like this. R.C. Sproul, he's one of the big, big dudes in the Baptist church. I mean, he was a big dude. He put the foreword in there. Oh yeah, this is great. So when the Lord shared with me about whose measure, it got me to hunting. And So I've been building on this all the time. I've got several things cooking on the back burners in my heart. Different things, but... But this has been back there. And he said, he said, because of the abundance of revelation, which is apocalypsis. You know, we get our word apocalyptic from. It's a laying bare, a disclosure. Because of the disclosure. Now what happened to you when somebody revealed to you or God revealed to you about being born again? What happened? You became born again, didn't you? Same thing with baptism in the Holy Spirit. I understand this church went for decades not believing in that. Is that true? Cleo, is that true? Went for decades. But finally, somebody came here with some sense and talked to you about the Holy Ghost and got people baptized in the Holy Spirit and and the gifts flowing and stuff. See? What happened when that revelation came? It produced a result. So for the, for, for the abundance of revelation in Paul, it scared Satan. I'm going to use this. I don't normally use this word. It scared Satan to death. We shouldn't use that about ourselves. But I'll use it about him because he is death. So, those, so the, all the, Satan and his kingdom, his cohorts, his demons, his, his fellow uh, entities, they hate the fact that Paul had revelation. They hate for you to have revelation. They're going to do everything in, his, in their power to keep you from getting revelation. And so that's why, that's, a, that's the measure. Satan, I, I'm sure, they had a meeting and said, we've got to stop this man. Because the abundance of this revelation is going to go way beyond the measure that we can handle. And that's what he's talking about. The word measure here. Now the Greek translators... You say, Who are you, Jerry? You're you're an idiot over here in Moreland with thirty or forty people. Who are you to say this? But I'm gonna say it anyway. I've been preaching for fifty years. I don't have to you know, I don't have to back myself up or like I said to you guys, I don't have anything to lose here. <laughs> I can virtually say anything I want to. And all you gotta do is say, We're we're done with you, Jerry, and me and Terry will get in our little trailer and head off back to Georgia. So, I'm going to say this to you, and I've done a lot of studying, and meditating, and praying in the Spirit about this thing I'm about to say to you. In my estimation, the translators violated their own rules when they translated this word measure as, as Hooper Aromai. Hooper Aromai means to raise up. It means to, if you were going to raise somebody up and you were a Greek, this is the word you would use. Raise up. If it's used about Jesus, how God highly exalted Jesus and given him a name above every name. See, Hooper eromai. It was used about Jesus being exalted. So this is, this is the word that should have been used to, to talk about somebody being exalted by God. But there's another word of, that's translated exalted, and it's hoopo fruno, froneo. And that word froneo is part of the mind, has to do with the mind. So if you were going to say that, uh, what, what's your name, brother? What's, your, what's his first name? Al. Al. If you were going to say that Al was going to be lifted up in pride, you know, he thinks more of himself than he ought to. And, you know, well, he's just stuck on himself. And, and all those things, you know, we, we describe about people that are haughty and high-minded and lift up. That's the Greek word that would describe that. Hupophroneo. Froneo. So, 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 you see, they should have translated it here. Above measure should have been hupophroneo, not huporeromai. Because huporeromai is talking about exalting people. And here in the context, he's talking about uh, Paul getting lifted up. Now, let me ask you a question. If the devil wanted to destroy Paul, what does Jesus say about self exaltation? Luke 14. I've got at the top of my Bible on the page written there in big bold letters because it's a message I do. Uh, about true, it's, the title of that message is True Exaltation. Don't you know that Jesus wants us exalted? But what happens to the man that tries to exalt himself? It says he will be brought down. See. So if you were going to destroy Paul or anybody else, this is how dangerous self-exaltation is, you would want him to be exalted above measure in that context. You would want him to get heady and high-minded. So that's not what Satan was trying to do to him. He was coming against him with those vicious strikes. You know, when he said the thorn in the flesh, the word thorn there is talking about a sharp pointed instrument. Whether it's off of a thorn bush, whether it's a pencil, whether it's a sword or a stake or whatever, that's what he's talking about. He said, There was given unto me a thorn in the flesh. Notice he didn't say in the spirit. Satan can't touch you in the spirit. In the flesh. So, what they decided to do is say, We're going to hit him. We're going to bombard him with all these things. And so, this is going to keep him to where he's not going to publish this revelation that God gave him. See? That makes sense to you? Is that understandable? So, what did, uh, what did Satan give Paul now? Hmm? What did Satan give him? A thorn in a, it's called the skolops is the Greek word. A thorn in the flesh. You know, a point, a piece of wood, a stake, a splinter. You know, just to irritate him. Why? To buffet him. The word buffet, kolofizo. It It is a word that is used as, for men in a boxing match. It means to strike just below the eye. And that's what he said to buffet me with. And then he said, you know, to maltreat with violence and all this stuff. Uh, Ephesians 4.31, I've got a note here. It's called anger. About anger. It's used of magistrates inflicting punishment and vengeance. So he said, I sought the Lord, verse 8, for this thing I sought the Lord twi- or thrice, that it might depart from me. So, let's analyze the, let's analyze the, uh, where, where'd that guy go? Let's analyze what he says about it here. If God gave it to him, which that's what he says, if God is the one responsible, in fact, some of them even tell us that it was eye disease because Paul said in one of his letters, you see how big of a, a letter I've written to you and all this stuff, and so they assume, you know, assumptions are always, pretty much always for the benefit of the one doing the assuming. They assume that uh, God put this on him to keep him humble. I mean, think about that. They didn't have a Kia Sportage like I do to travel in. They didn't have a pickup truck. They didn't have anything. You know, they had to walk wherever they went or ride a mule or a donkey. So here God gives Paul, not. All, I mean, I can show you in the Word of God God gave Paul the responsibility of fulfilling the word of God. And the word fulfill there is to complete up, bring up to completion. In other words, he's talking about the letters that he would write, the epistles of Paul. He gave him that responsibility and had to do most of them in jail. But then God is going to come along and smack him down with this eye disease. You know, I got better sense than that, and I'm nowhere near God. So we have to rationalize and reason these things out. It just doesn't make sense. God is not our enemy, He's for us, not against us. In fact, I just read a few days ago, I think think it's in my uh, article for next week in the newspaper, how that God, you know, God did not. I can't go there. I'm getting lost here. Get back to the word, Jerry. So Satan was maltreating him. He said, I sought the Lord three times. So that it would, it would depart. Asphemia, it's the same word used for forgiveness of sins. To cause, to withdraw, to remove, to back off. And then verse, verse 10, it says, Therefore, I take pleasures in my what? Infirmities. Infirmities. Now, we're talking about a man of God that wrote some of the most outstanding documents that's ever been penned in the whole Word of God in the history of the world. He is the very one that put Romans 8.26 in the Bible and said that the Holy Spirit would take up with us, remember us teaching about that, what tongues will do? The Holy Spirit will take hold with us Against the problem that we're facing and throw it out of the way. Soon anti limbano. That's what the Holy Spirit gives us. He's the man that penned that. So you see, all these things that we're reading about Paul, he knew the, about the grace of God. So it wasn't after all this stuff happened that he finally learned. He knew the grace of God was sufficient, and that means well able to take care of him wherever he went. Remember this when you're reading the account in Acts 28 when he's on the ship. I mean, he told them, he said, after 14 days, you guys have not eaten one thing. He said, here, take this. Where did he get it? From grace. He got all the food, gave it to all the men. And notice that it said, when they were all full. <laughs> so he fed all 280-something people on that ship while it was being tossed around. It's a wonderful story. But I want you to remember that. that that's the he, said, he said, these infirmities, asthenia, he's come, the Holy Spirit comes to help. He helped, it says in Romans 8, He helpeth our infirmities. Asthenia. Now you nomadical people, what, what does that word rem, asthenia remind you of? Anesthesia. Anesthesia. It means to render you completely without mobile Mobility. The inability to produce results. How many's ever had anesthesia to the point you couldn't do anything? Mm-hmm. I have. So you see that anesthesia renders you incapable of movement. So why does Paul here say, I will glory in my infirmities. And here these guys, let me pick up this book again. Here these guys take that kind of concept... And say, when you see, God has to just lay us out so that He can get glory from our lives. You know, that's just ignorance before daylight. Why would not Paul then say, I'm glorying in it? It's because he knows that because of the grace of God, nothing that he does in his flesh can do any good thing for the kingdom of God. He's no longer relying on his flesh. He's going to glory in that weakness. He's going to glory in the fact that his his flesh can't do anything to please God. But that grace that is in him, in his spirit, can do all the things that God has called him to do. So we need to start glorying in the fact, I don't have any ability. I have nothing to offer you but the Word of God. I'm not musically inclined. You know, there's all kinds of things I can't give you. But I know that that thing that is inside me, the life of God, uh, empowered by the grace of God, can give you life, can give you healing, can give you whatever you need because of that life that's within me. Not because of my ability. So that's, that's what Paul is contrasting this about. Uh, because of these buffetings, these beatings. He literally sought the Lord three times about these beatings. Matthew 26, 67 shows us that Jesus was buffeted. Well, was that from God? Well, no. Why would God send His only begotten Son and then turn around smacking? I mean, granted, there are people that need smacking, but God's not the one going to be doing smacking. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 11 talks about Paul's suffering. Verse 13 there in that chapter, he, said, he, he says, we are the off-scouring of the world. That's how they were treated. 1 Peter two twenty and for, uh, through 25, Peter says there, he, he said, don't allow yourselves to suffer for unrighteousness. So, the abundance of revelations. I'm reminded of... Uh, one of the people I don't know. I think it was uh, Rick Joyner that talked to the Apostle Paul, and he said his first his first reaction to him was to just bend down or bow down. And Paul said, "No," he said, "Stand up. I, you, you're not to worship me." I mean, and he said, "Yeah, but but the whole Christian world is affected by what you wrote." And in that discussion, he tells him, he said, "I can't tell you anything that I didn't write in the Word of God." Anyway, so he besought the Lord. He said, my my grace, my grace, my caress, my favor, my ability is sufficient. It's well able to take care of you. And Paul learned that. And that's what we all need to learn. Uh, If God's grace, which came through Jesus Christ, is identified uh, with the crucifixion then its absoluteness is established. It can't be taken away. Amen? Uh, verse Ephesians 4, 7 says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the metron, the word measure, of the gift of Christ. Every one of us is given grace for that. So he says here that my grace is sufficient. It's the Greek word arkeo. To be possessed of unfailing strength. Literally, to be graced no matter what we face we can have that we we could put that on our bathroom mirror i am graced i am graced and that's that's for all of us hebrews 13:5c says that that he hath said he, that i will never leave thee nor forsake thee verse 6 so that we may boldly say the lord is my helper and i will not fear what man shall do unto me here Sufficient does imply to be satisfied with meager supply, but it means here to be to the satisfaction of endless supply. Now, what did Paul tell us? It, it was either Apollos or, or or one of the ladies in the ministry that either Paul, Apollos, or one of the female in the ministry can't recall her name right now, that wrote the book of Ephesians. But what did they tell us there about coming to the throne of God? Hmm? He told us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Throne of what? The throne of grace. That's where all of it comes from. Come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may do what? Obtain mercy. Obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The all powerful. Grace of God. I'm kind of trying to get through here. So I'm passing up some things. So he told us to come come in in time of need for help. Help in time of when? Need. Need. That's what we're supposed to come. My precious daddy that raised me. I asked him not long, not too long before he died. I said, "Daddy, you've heard my testimonies. You've heard of me praying for people and seeing them get healed." I said, "Can I pray for you now?" And my precious daddy said to me, "Bless his heart." He said, "Jerry, he said that would make me feel selfish, knowing that all the people in the world need Jesus, and I'm going to trouble him with healing my body." that's pitiful I loved him though I said okay but there's so many people that's messed up with things that come, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need now here is a saying here that I want it to be kind of a slogan for us in this church in this ministry I saw this in my spirit on a banner. It's the only reason I'm saying this. I want us to have a saying about who we are in our, in our ministry efforts in this community. There's grace for that. There's grace for that. I even say, I, I saw it another way too. There's a gift for that. All of the nine gifts of the Spirit. What are they? Gifts? That's charis. That's grace. All of the grace of God, the nine of them, satisfies every situation in our lives. It, it leaves nothing uncovered. Everything is covered in our, in our existence. So anytime you have a problem, your neighbor has a problem. Your kid has a problem. Your parents have a problem. Anything, anytime something comes up when this kid that was in the wreck, when, when it comes to your attention, all you got to do is say is, there's a grace for that. There's a gift for that. And go ahead and give it to him. It's in you. You say, well, I thought it was as a spirit will. He's more willing than we are. If we just make ourselves available, He's more willing than we are to give these things away. Grace to help in time of need. The word help is bothia. It means to hasten to the help of the oppressed. To help. In 2 Corinthians 6 2, I got up one morning very early to go to the restroom, and this came over my heart. I mean, it was so loud and so permanent. He said, I have succored thee. And so I immediately got, you know, when I could, I got, For what what does that mean? It means relief. 2 Corinthians 6.2. That's, that's where he quoted that. I have, I, have, I have given you relief. I have helped. I'd had this ministry on my mind before I went to sleep. You know about the music as what, what God has placed inside my heart about the music program here and the children's ministry here is, uh, it, it doesn't even resemble what we have. And so I had that on my heart. And it was like when he said I have succored thee. And that, that word there is an, is an old English word, which means to, I've come to your aid. And when I asked him about it, he said, don't worry about that. I'm taking care of that. See, grace, grace. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. Paul said, there hath no temptation and the word temptation here, parazo. The word temptation can be translated three different words. Temptations, testings, and trials. So you can take that and put that in there without any violation of whatsoever. He said, There hath there. there hath no testing taken you, but as such as is common to man. Lambano is the Greek word taken, means to seize and take hold of. Parasmos is always an evil word. But there's there's no testing, there's no temptation. There is no trial that has taken you, that has laid hold on you, but such as is common of of man. And he said, I have with the temptations, testings, and trials made a way for you to escape. That's grace. Paul wrote that. Don't you think he found out that God's grace was sufficient? We need to as well. James 1, 13 through 15 is saying basically the same thing. It says, Every man is tempted. Parazzo. Parazzo. Tempt, test, trial. What is the purpose of temptation? He said, Every man is tempted of his own lust. You know, temptation, testings, and trials start with you. He said, He said so that then you become enticed. The temptation begins with us. And then when Satan realizes that. He begins to entice you. Just like bait. To catch by. Actually the, the word there for uh, enticed is the word that means to catch by bait. To lure. Ekleo. The lure. It's the language of the hunting. is transferred to the seduction of the harlot. Now you see that, that's, that's what Satan has for you. But God will with those temptations. Testings and trials provide the way Jesus said I am the way the truth the life so when he said there there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man that gives us an idea and we'll probably get into this when we're talking about the devil here in a few weeks I dread that anyway that that indicates to us the limitation that he has. Satan is limited to our flesh. He can't get to your spirit. See? Now he can. If you, if you get far enough away and just reject Jesus and all that stuff, he moves down in there and you're done for eternity. But anyway, he says, to find help in time of need, that, that word need there is eros, that word ariel is in there. It's talking about time. He says, it means seasonable, timely, opportune, Come. Proxucomai to draw approach and draw near. He says to come boldly. We've talked to you about that kind of boldness, free and fearless confidence. Not walking up to God and saying, "You know, I'm just an unworthy worm, dust of the earth," and I praise you, Lord Jesus. I know that I am not worthy to stand in your presence. Uh, That sounds real religious, spiritual, but it's not. It's a slap in the face of the grace of God. He wants us to come boldly. We're sons. We're welcome in His presence. Don't you know that? We're welcome. I'm telling you, we are so welcome that He, he if it's possible to describe God this way, I'll do it. Uh, he gets a big smile on His face when you come in His presence. That's confidence. I never had any trouble coming to my parents.